the Union of the Unwanted uh, back. What is it? Monday, March 7th, 2022. And, and Charlie, you're on the screen. Take it away, please. Well, what's been happening these days? Anything? Anything? Anywhere? Any? Anyone? Since the last time we did a show, it's been pretty slow news-wise, you know? Yeah. Nothing. In a surprising turn of events, Vladimir Putin has cured COVID. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's going to win the Nobel Prize and yep. um, <clears throat> and doesn't have to drone strike a school bus full of kids like Obama. <laughs> it's amazing that uh, that the, the, the conversation pretty much everywhere changed on a dime within i would say six hours the message went out and uh, it just all over social media i judge what's going on in the world by george takai and <laughs> and i can i can tell what what psychological I mean, the brown <laughs> uh, I, and i i like george takai you know i like him as like a an entertainer and like i love him on star trek and his appearances on howard stern 10 years ago but I can tell what mass psychological operation is going on by his Facebook or Twitter feed. It's amazing. He's a, he's a, he's a, a, a great like uh, uh, measurement of where the wind's blowing. I was playing leapfrog with a bunch of young boys in the brambles. Uh, he's, so that's where I get my news. Deadass, <laughs> as the intro music came on, my tech guy sent me uh, a link to the Babylon Bee. And their tweet is uh, George Takei's valet's pool boy's Uber driver informs him that gas prices have gone up. <laughs> <laughs> That's where it's at. Like I in, I saw George Takei uh, telling people that they're going to have to learn to uh, pay a little bit more uh, at the gas pump, maybe pay a little bit more at the grocery store because of Russia and the conflict over there. And you know, uh, it's just like, come on. I mean, I. It's just, it's too much at this point. I Imagine a guy who has like four dudes painted in gold lame that pick him up to carry him to take a shit, telling the planet, you know, you're going to have to tighten up a little bit. Or, or a guy that's so unaware of what's actually going on that he thinks that Artie Lang is really coming out to him. Yes. <laughs> that was a, a classic, a, a that classic was the bit. Best, that was the best Artie Lang bit I've ever seen in my entire life was the, was the, silent the hidden recording of him pretending to come out to george takei and george being a sweet guy you know i mean i I, he gets everything politically absolutely ass backwards but i I would imagine george takei is a sweet human being like i don't i don't get a bad vibe from him about that stuff but so he's trying to be so considerate and talk Artie through and Artie's like i'm just fucking with you yeah are you interested in gay porno that's right i got a song clip of (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, I mean, I'm sure George Sakai has a lot of opinions about Ukraine and what led to this conflict. And I'm sure he has ideas about what's going to happen next. And I'm sure he supports uh, the U.S. sending in fighter jets uh, to Ukraine at this point, uh, putting us directly in harm's way. So, Has it uh, pissed you guys off that so many people who fell for the mainstream media or we're taking their words for it on COVID, all of a sudden are screaming, like, you can't believe the mainstream media. They're lying to you about everything. Oh, you know, they're warmongers. There's this and that. And I'm like, you were the same people that months ago or a year ago or two years ago were telling you, like, hey, now you trust the mainstream media on 
the new, you know, on the information they're giving you. And they're like, yeah, 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 they care about our safety. And then all of a sudden they're screaming, no, you know, they don't care about our safety or anybody's safety. It's, it's um, a little weird. It's weird that when people pick and choose when to believe what they're being told. And I think a lot of times it falls into place with, you know, they're, they have a opinion and they look for information to back that opinion. And they're trying to convince themselves in the world that they're actually looking at the information. And that's what led them to that opinion when the truth is they have an opinion and they're looking for the information to, to back it up. So it's uh, people are being exposed a little bit on, on their blinders and their inability to, to turn on their own team when their team is wrong. I think that the people, whoever is in charge of the propaganda, they're saying, finally, we threw out enough stuff to where we got Democrats to che- like to cheer for a foreign war. It only took 20 years. Like back during Iraq, too, it was uh, a great propaganda campaign to get all the Republicans and some conservatives on board with terrorism and fear and all that kind of stuff. And then anybody who was opposed to that was anti-American and anti-patriotic. 20 years later, uh, the shoes is is kind of on the other foot now. And now you are carrying the water for Putin if you don't fully back Ukraine. Um, It's an amazing reversal. Uh, you don't even have to go back 20 years, though. My view, the day after Obama got elected, he was like, fuck it, we're doing more war. Yeah, but they and didn't broadcast Everybody it. rallied around him. Yeah, but it, they didn't They didn't really broadcast it as much. Like, they talked about Libya, and that was a, a short kind of spat that they could kind of talk about for a few and weeks and died away. Immediately after Libya, it was Syria. And immediately after Syria, it was Ukraine mm-hmm. in 2014. And then it was Syria again. And then there was all the shit we got up to in Africa. And there was the fact that, I mean, Obama was, that's what, in 2009 is when the contract with the NFL got started to turn halftime into an armed forces recruiting commercial. Yeah, but- you know, it's, it's it, it, in terms of Democrats, jumping on top of the flag and trying to find a gun to wave around. They've done that as a knee-jerk reaction to every conflict on every Democratic president's term. Remember how many different countries Bill Clinton bombed and how many people were like, cool as fuck about that, too? I don't know it, about it, that. I mean, uh, I, how many I, I knew. How protests were there for Kosovo? Uh, very few, if at all. But I, I knew a lot of Democrats that weren't on board Iraq with it. Too? They just weren't going to march against it. Like I mean, you know, I think and, and there's there's certain. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that there's not tribalism or anything like. That. I'm just saying you're never going to see Democrats grab a flag and wave it faster than when one of their guys gets to to send off somebody else's kid to go die. It, it is it, it's a the historically repetitive action it's just sometimes we get a little bit distant from it and and, and then it just seems more visceral when it happens again in real time well russia's big mistake was they they should have took lessons from the u.s because you look at iraq right there was some protests of course i mean and many of us were screaming atop of our lungs about how unjust that was in afghanistan but the international uh just unity against what's going on in Ukraine, it like boggles my mind. I've been thinking, I'm like, how come you didn't see anything even close to this with past wars? And it hit me. It's like PR. They did a great job of understanding that, hey, we can't just go invade Iraq. We have to convince everybody it's for just reasons. So that's even if 
it was bullshit. They did make a attempt to sell the idea of weapons of mass destruction. They had the whole anthrax scare to kind of get everybody at the, you know, at the edge of their uh, seats and emotional and scared and feeling like that we have to do something. Um, so they had all these techniques to, to basically get people to feel like something has to be done. They also like, and I think the weapons of mass destruction and some of that stuff also helped with internationally, like people feeling like, oh yeah, you know, uh, Saddam's a bad guy and, and maybe there's some uh, just reasons to get involved. So they, they're really good at PR where Ukraine is like, Russia didn't do any PR in regards to like explaining their side of the story. A lot of people who are explaining the side of the story of like NATO expanding east and how um, it, it's this is similar to like the Cuban Missile Crisis. You look how pissed the U.S. was when when Russia put missiles close to their territory. This is very similar in regards to you know Russia saying like, hey, to preserve our own you know security, like we can't have you expanding east. But they didn't like Putin's just like I don't give a fuck about PR. I'm just gonna you know I'm 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 a man's man. <laughs> I'm just gonna go fuck shit up and and in war nobody wins you know when you see it like people are already picking teams and people are being tribalistic and absolutely there's more sides to this story than meets the eye obviously what he's doing is not right and but it also doesn't mean that it wasn't provoked and that side of the story should also be told that you know that the reason why he did it and i'm just surprised by how many people I'm seeing at the top of their lungs upset about this because, you know, the U.S. did a great job of, of painting Russia as the boogeyman um, for a long time. And weirdly enough, even though China should be even more of the boogeyman and there's no, you know, there's no conversation about that. And, you know, they painted them as a boogeyman. It, it, it was just easy. It was easy to make it look like, hey, they're the bad guys. They're flexing their muscles. They're picking on a small country. Uh, and, you know, you can uh, simplify it that way, which even the vice president simplified it that way, right? Because, I mean, the yeah. interview where she's just like, it's just a big country picking on a little country. That's basically it. You know, it's like... I, here's my problem with that, Ricky. I, 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 I don't think that Russia could do anything to not bring this on them. I think there's some deep historical war between Russia and the globalists that have been going on forever. And that no matter what they did, if they sent cookies to the Ukraine, they would somehow flip that into aggression and stuff like that. So it's a respectful disagree. Just on that point, I, I agree with a lot of stuff you're saying, but I, I think that this is, this is uh, way more than just, uh, you know, him going in there and big guy picking on little guy. I think this is like deep seated old, like just adversarial stuff that, that, that no matter what Putin did, he would be the bad guy in this. And and this is not saying Putin's a good guy either. Like, I think people are uh, mistake understanding why Russia is doing what they're doing, not saying it's okay or agreeing with it, but understanding why they're doing it as saying for being, oh, Putin's a good guy. There are no good guys at that level. They're all war criminals, dark arts motherfuckers, in my humble opinion. So I don't necessarily... Uh, I'm not defending anybody because I, I, I'm anti-war across the whole board. I don't like any of these guys. I mean, I would like to be anarchist if I believe that could ever happen. 
in real reality, but that's my opinion. <laughs> I'm curious, Tony, um, when you went to Kosovo, I don't remember because I wasn't paying attention, but I'm sure you, you obviously were. What was the sales pitch like for us getting involved in Kosovo? Because I can't remember there being a real overt one, but I also wasn't totally paying attention. So it's possible that I had my head up my ass. But what were they, what was the justification used for us to be involved in that? Well, the surface level justification was to stop genocide. You know, we were going to stop the Serbs from slaughtering the Albanians, the uh, Kosovars. Well, um, that's not exactly what it was all about. It was territorial. It was to break up uh, the remainder of uh, what was left of Yugoslavia. Of course, uh, we bombed Serbia for 78 days. Most people don't remember that. We actually, one of the missiles actually hit the Chinese embassy there, killed some of the, the Chinese dignitaries. And um, I remember, if you recall, what happened during the last days of the um, our troops rolling into Kosovo at the exact same time the Russian troops started rolling down and that was not on that was not planned that was not coordinated they were not part of uh, what they called K4 and uh, I got to work with the Russians the Russian paratroopers on the border of Serbia and Kosovo and that's pretty much what my job was for for 6 months and uh, interesting interesting people I I actually really enjoyed working with the Russians out of all the other international uh, troops there but yeah, the justification, and when I look back on it, you know, they had the Mushahideen uh, fighting there in Kosovo. Uh, Osama bin Laden, I believe, had agents there uh, fighting alongside the Albanians. And if you look at it historically, like we would go to, I didn't understand this at 20 years old, but we go, we go to villages on the border and they'd be completely uh, abandoned. There'd be no one there. And I thought, what happened to people? Well, they were run out. If you were Serb, you were run out. Once the... Uh, U.S. got there once the once NATO. By the way, I saw a lot of tweets. Uh, NATO's never invaded anyone. I'm like, well, I was part of invasions by NATO when NATO was the Kosovo, NATO was Afghanistan, NATO was Libya, right? Just to name a few. Um, yeah, we we uh, we saw the the Serbs, and of course, uh, Kosovo is to the to the Serbs what Jerusalem is to the Jews, and we took it away from them. And uh, that was, uh, look, there's a lot of propaganda that went into that war. You know, we, um, we wanted to continue our influence. You know, you have the Bosnia, Croatia, all that stuff that broke apart in the for, uh, former uh, Yugoslavia. And we wanted to have our hand in there. And Kosovo was a big part of that. To, to put a little bit of context into the, the justification that civilians got for that, Kosovo, had declared itself an independent republic eight years prior, 1991, when the wall fell down. It was 1999 when we effectively went, went in with the mission. Over those eight years, there was said to be, um, and, and probably was, you know, um, sort of like a, a, a ethnic war that was going on. Kosovars were dying, and because they had declared their independence eight years prior and had been getting the shit shelled out of them, the USA recognized their independence and sent troops in to help protect an independent nation. Now, three weeks ago, the Donetsk and the Luhansk in Ukraine declared their independence eight years ago. And we're taking part, be the victims of a genocide on behalf of the Ukrainian army 
over those last eight years. And Putin said, okay, I hear you. It's been eight years. I recognize your independence. I'm going to send troops in. And NATO went, oh, oh, no, now we, we've got to open fire too. And Putin went, okay, well, I can take your capital in 48 hours if you want. And, and kind of here we are. And it's been this sort of a repeat of the exact same narrative with different outcomes this time because Putin doesn't have a NATO to send it at Kiev and level it for 78 straight days. He's not going to be able to get away with that. One thing I'm really cool. sorry. No, 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 go ahead. One thing I found very interesting is this narrative that's being pushed by the mainstream media about how how like old the Russian military is, how much losses they're taking, which to me is a giant psyop to get people to believe this is going to be like Iraq War One, where we just rolled in and just beat them really easy. Like, oh, it's going to be so easy, dude. They're just going to roll over and they're just going to leave. And it's like all that is done purposefully to get lull Americans in to manifest that we should be going in and uh, start World War Three with Russia because they're just going to be an easy, uh, we're just going to wipe the floor with them. And I just don't believe that at all. And um, I, I think they're trying to manifest us to give them permission to do this. And I think American people are really tired. I mean, like, we're always talking about China. We're always talking about all these other countries. We're the ones that evade everybody. We're, I, I should change that. The American people have voted in presidents to stop wars the last couple of times. And we get lied to all the time. Uh, we have uh, we have allowed uh, globalists to hijack our military and turn them in to stormtroopers for bankers. And we need to take our military back. We need to stop co-signing these banker wars that do nothing but commit genocide of brown people and hurt the just our country. We're spending so much money helping bankers and we're we're not spending on ourselves and taking care of, of our country. And I think people are getting tired of it. I got a question for Tony. Um so now there's like there's a lot of talk from like people at the Council on Foreign Relations and uh about supporting a sustained guerrilla insurgency in Ukraine to combat the Russians. And you also hear stories about Russians uh, drafting uh, Syrian urban warfighters to come fight in Ukraine. Is this all a, just a bunch of hopefulness talk, or would they actually just start doing that, throwing in a, like fighters to just do urban warfare for the next 10 years? Whatever would drag it out. Um, and I think Ukraine would, would do well to look at the history of Poland. You know, how did Poland fare after the First World War, after the Treaty of Versailles? 1919, they made big Poland, you know, and they took in a lot of those German-speaking areas, and they had the port of Danzig. And the reason that uh, Poland got invaded was because there was no negotiation at all with the Third Reich, for, for good or ill. But they said, we had a war guarantee. So they got a war guarantee from the British, from Neville Chamberlain. And they just held on to that. There was no negotiation. They weren't going to re return the port of Danzig. Uh, to to Germany, which that's was all German speaking, and of course there was an invasion. The Germans declared. Oh, actually, it was the British declared war on on the Germans first in 1939. And after the war had ended, 50 million dead. We turned Poland back over to Stalin. So 
you know, if you're if you're in Ukraine, my heart goes out to you. But this is on purpose. We wanted uh, Vladimir Putin to invade. We want him to have a quagmire if possible. But really, it was about the PR. This is that's a that's a brilliant observation at the beginning of the show. It's all about PR. It's all about narrative. And if you notice, you go back and you see. I mean, you can look at the history of us saying we wouldn't expand NATO. We gave a it was Secretary of State James Baker gave a promise. Uh, to Gorbachev. This is a verbal promise, but that's our word. We would not expand NATO. They would withdraw into their uh, natural borders of Russia. The Soviet Union would break apart. But we've been expanding NATO in their face. Even Gorbachev said in the late 90s, it was a great betrayal. And you go look, look at the timeline. Obviously, I think they wanted this a little sooner. You know, Hillary Clinton was talking in the 2016 election about giving air cover uh, and no fly zones in Syria to protect Al Qaeda. And I thought that was such a huge moment in our history where you had a presidential candidate saying, we're going to protect the people that supposedly brought down the towers on 9-11 to mastermind terrorist arch enemies. And, but we're going to shoot down Russian aircraft, which is an act of war. So they've wanted this for a long time. And Russia's in, in the crosshairs of the globalists. And, and Sam's absolutely right. These are bankers wars. Has nothing to do with freedom. It has everything to do with narrative. But you notice like they were able, Mike, they were able just to, and this is masterful. I have to hand it to the lizard people <laughs> when, they, when they're able to activate the NPCs to go from, you know, we're all in this together, you know, six feet apart, <laughs> two weeks to flatten the curve forever to defend Ukraine with your life and, uh, and, and change the, your, your profile on Facebook, you know? And I just, I just think this is, this is the forever war. And I don't know if this is World War III and maybe World War III has been concluded because it was really the, the governments, the Western governments against its own people. I, I think this is woke war one. Could I could I postulate that this is step two of the Great Reset or step three of the fourth industrial revolution and, and that Russia's economic ties to the World Bank, the World Economic Forum, AstraZeneca and a number of other giant Western corporations, the fact that they just went on the gold standard with the ruble to go in on the gold standard with China, who went on the gold standard, kind of reset the global financial economy backed on CBDCs based off of a gold standard. Um, just, just spitballing here from things that actually but is that pro already. is that huh? pro centralized uh, bank centralized bank. If they're getting back on the gold standard, doesn't that go against the centralized bank? No, 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 it, it, what it does is it puts reserve currency back in the hands of the point zero 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 one percent who have all the fucking gold. <laughs> I mean, it, it makes it like exponentially more central. I have some gold. So what is the so according to uh, I, I like picking Tony's brain here because he's been over there. Uh, what would you think the optimal resolution of this would be? Uh, like. Pie in the sky, the best resolution, short of just everyone going back home and calling it even. I think the a big um, portion of that responsibility is going to lie with Vladimir Putin. He's going to have to be the bigger person here. <laughs> I think he's going to have to reach out. He's going to have to. I mean, the, our leaders are not going to push for peace. They're going to push for continued warfare. And the only thing that... that uh, that we can do at this point is hope that there's some sort of conference that can take place, some sort of treaty that can be signed, 
where you know Ukraine stays a sovereign country but is not going to be added to NATO. That needs to be in writing. I that's, think for them that's to, the demand from Russia. Yes, I that's think, Putin's I don't demand. Know what else, what no else block they countries do? in your constitution recognize the independence of Donetsk and Luhansk. Um, and let's see. Um, and there's like two more that are stupid basic. Scott Horton retweeted it today. I'll, I'll, I'll pull it up real quick because, I mean, it really is just incredibly simple. Um, and, and it's something that like anyone with a couple of brain cells left to rub together would go, oh, yeah, okay, that's doesn't seem unreasonable. Well, there's a um, there's a reason too that that you know, and I, I listen to OBDM Mike uh, every every time a new episode comes out, and uh, you know, you you said the Ukraine just like I used to say. Because everybody did. It was the Ukraine. The Ukraine was a province. It actually means borderland. And I mean, ever since the fall of the Soviet Union, it's it's been a sovereign state, and uh, you know, it's been a what a piggy bank for grifters and politicians. Um, you know, like the Bidens, of course. And uh, but that's been it's been it's been a province in, historically for centuries. You know, the breadbasket of Europe. Uh, and I don't think there's been any demands by the Russian government at this point that Ukraine is going to be, you know, they were saying Putin's going to restart Christendom. If you look at uh, Drudge Report, it's just pure war propaganda. And most people aren't looking at the facts. The facts are, yes, the Russians are a proud people. They have tens of thousands of nuclear weapons. Uh, they have submarines still. Nothing like the army that they had in the, in the mighty Soviet Union. They broke apart into 16 pieces. But, you know, you look at that, look at the population it, uh, in 2050, they'll have the population the United States had in 1947, and the projections are by 20, uh, the, the you know in the next uh, hundred years they'll have a population uh, somewhere around 80 million, which is the population we had uh, under Theodore Roosevelt. So they're losing about net two million people in population a year. They've got they've got borders with China, so they're really pushed pushed up against the wall here. Uh, and I, I again, I how would we react? And this has been thrown out many times. How would we react if we had, if we was a, uh, a treaty that Mexico had with China and they were going to park nuclear weapons on our border? Uh, that would be unacceptable. We, you would think, I don't know what our leaders would do now. I'm pretty sure they hate us. But, it, you know, back in, you know, the, the days of my grandfather and the Cold Warriors, we would have we went to war over that. So, I, I, look, I, I'm not taking a side and saying, well, the Russians did everything right. But, again, it, this may be about national survival. Well, oh, recognize Crimea as Russian is the only other demand. Don't form, don't join NATO. Don't join EU. <clears throat> I, Let Donetsk and be independent. Recognize Crimea as part of Russia because they voted on a referendum of it, what, eight years ago? Oh, That's I, it. I, those I think those, demands. and then also recognize those most recent breakaway provinces. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So, the Donetsk and the Luhansk. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, all things considered, I would call it a win just if they can organize that and sign that, let's be done. But at that yeah, point in time, then we go right back to COVID. Do you want that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Should we just take, let this thing drag out yeah. for a little while till we get rid of all the vaccine passport stuff. And yeah. then we'll, then we can, then you guys can listen, I got to have a nice summer. So let's continue the war for at least a summer. Do you yeah. think that's what happens that we go right back to it yes. with all the information coming out? <laughs> Uh, there's still mandates there are still mandates 
and there are still requirements. Empl- employers haven't forgot this thing. Uh, so I think it will be twisted in a different way. It will be called a uh, post-COVID recovery. How do we m- ensure this never happens again? And that includes the digital passport. It's just all this information's coming out, and it's just like they just keep shoving their head farther up their ass, and they just don't care. It's just like how far? Pretty soon their, their fucking head is going to come out their mouth. It's so fucking far up their ass with the just denying of the all the data that's dropping right now. It's just like I, I people all the time. Like I was, I was in Target. They got rid of the mask mandates, and this woman's like, "I had to. I want to put in my Target number so I could get that point penny discount on whatever the scale I was going to weigh myself on." And I couldn't find where to put it. And the woman, I was like, excuse me, ma'am, can you help me find it? She's like, so you need a mask on? I'm like, L.A. County dropped the mask mandate. Not in the store, sir. I go, oh, what is this, the Vatican, a sovereign nation? <laughs> Target isn't a part of L.A. County now? Is that what you're telling me, lady? You got Stockholm Syndrome, right? But it's just like, I just, I don't know, we're living in just crazy time. I just want to be left alone. Wear all the masks you want. Wear all the masks you want. Leave me the fuck, like, we got Supreme Court Justice Sotomayor, whatever her name is, like ruling on like COVID cases when she has so blatantly not listened to any of the new information that's come out. Like she is just quoting from like what? Like I asked you, like where where are you from? They're like uh, I'm from uh, uh, North Carolina. No, I mean what year are you from? Because you're quoting 2019 data. We have new data that I've always known about that all your favorite, the CDC and the FDA have been putting out that states nothing that what you believe right now is real. You are the trust the science and you're not trusting the science, even though I never trusted the science, even though the science is saying what I believe right now. But so they found that that's effective. That's exactly what they're doing with some of this Ukraine stuff, like the fighter pilot who shot down six people and all this stuff. They realize how effective they're their barrage of propaganda is if they put out enough at one time it works and then they'll they'll roll some stuff back i guess in the fog of war you got to roll back maybe a little quicker than some of the covid stuff because it relies on the covid stuff you can drag out the data longer but it's effective they just throw everything against the wall people believe it and then by the time they don't believe anymore it doesn't matter because they've already moved on to the next thing well one of the things that sam said earlier was was that he thought it might be a psychological operation to prep the american public to falsely believe that a war against russia would be a cakewalk and it reminded me of this story that came out in 2014 of the uss donald cook that got buzzed in the black sea right off of um ukraine and crimea right there it got buzzed by a russian uh, SU-24 that jammed all of its electronics and basically gave it black screens on everything. So I'd like to just remind people that the propaganda is one direction in America. They're not in a huge hurry to talk to you about the fact that some of our warships have have had a real hard time with the Russian fighters just as, as recently as eight years ago. So let's not pretend that they're still, you know, piloting 1930 submarines or anything like that. Like these guys, I mean, don't get lulled into some false sense of security that, oh, it's just the Russians and, you know, they're, they're, 
they've got some technology too, and they've got some smart people working there too, and they prioritize some of this. So let's 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 remember that if we, you know, and it doesn't take much to get these NPCs like begging oh. for the next war. You the know? astroturfing right now it's, is fucking insane. Like but it's it's a good sign, Sam. Marching, no fly zone, no fly zone. You're like, I have nobody <laughs> who's like in any kind of regular conversations. Like, hey, dude, we gotta. Don't you think we should have no fly zone, bro? No. Yeah. Anyways, can I get a stone? Right? It's, it's a like, good. It's not happening. That's a great sign, though, because it means that the, it means that nobody's <laughs> thinking this organically. The propaganda okay. has to come out. They have yeah. to resort to this, and that, and that you, and then you could just go, "What are you talking? You, oh, you want to fight in in a war? You underhand grenade throwing uh, non-binary <laughs> jackass? Well, I'll tell you what, we'll get you, you some pink Doc Martin boots." And, it's happening. You know, and a helmet, and we'll drop your ass, yeah. uh, Tony Arterburn style. We'll push yeah. your ass out of an airplane yeah. with a fucking parachute, <laughs> and you fight this war, you dipshit. I will say this: I was in Vegas like two weeks ago, stop, um, and uh, and we were on our way to the comedy club, and we walked by a bar that had five dollar fuck Putin shots, and there were people in the bar chanting fuck Putin, and then after we left the club. We were walking I, uh, north side, um, uh, like it, it was I don't know a bar up the street from the Fremont, but they were chanting "fuck Putin" in that bar too. Yeah, and well, I do- I, here's the whole thing: I don't want vaccine mandates, but I want all these fucking idiots to get a thousand boosters, get flu- full blown AIDS, <laughs> and get the fuck off my highways. Okay, you're fucking traffic up. I don't want to have to take it, but I want all the dum dums. Just to fucking look like a Christmas tree with all the syringes of, of fucking banging themselves with this vaccine, dude. I'm gonna shut up for a while. Did you see the Alex Stein video where he where he called into the city council and he was like, "I met, I went outside and I met these really nice gentlemen that they were all um, partaking in the vaccine, and so I spent like four days with them and I had the t- best time. I'll tell you, I've never felt so good. He just went on. The people in the city council were like. They didn't know what to make of it because I think it was Seattle. And they're like, oh, that sounds reasonable. Was it the one where he had like a dog with him? (laughs) Yes. That was Portland. That was Portland. Portland. And then he starts talking about it's like the cleanest meth I've ever done. Oh, dude, that guy's great. He's great. He'll be on our show tomorrow morning. Alex will. He's going to be huge. He's been on here before, and then soon after, I was on his show, and we we're talking about doing this show again. And he's so honest. He's like, "I, I can't do the show." He's like, "I, I have to be the center of attention." He's like, "I have to." He's like, "I just have to talk." He's like, "I can't go that long with listening." And he was so honest about him. Like, he's he was just hilarious. He, I he, just did a three hour show with him and Abs and a six pack on nine eleven. So, and, and it's on abs and six pack. People want to. By the way, you just sounded like you did three different tracks on a band that nobody will listen to. <laughs> <laughs> I to- totally. It's, it's some great content that about eight people are going to listen to. <laughs> Charlie's going to be slinging mixtapes out of his trunk. You're gonna, you're, oh, dude, abs steel. When abs Alex Stein is a big fucking deal, right? And he's going to be huge, name, dude. They're going to find that. It's going to be like a vintage recording of him, you know? Going yeah, balls deep fearless. on nine eleven. That's why he's fearless. If he doesn't, but I love to get first. everybody's. I love to get everybody. If he doesn't, for sure, get everybody's thoughts on like 
the like you know, the blessings of us uh, of this show of the shows that we do independently is like we can see that the the propaganda being laid on super thick and like i don't know if you guys go on reddit at all i don't know what happened to reddit but it's gone full blown stupid and the, the 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 propaganda is so thick, you know. Oh, new bride kisses husband goodbye to go, and just everything. But now the marches that they're doing for the Ukraine are so insanely manufactured, and it's so obvious. What are your guys' thoughts on just the the? the I mean, we've seen this so much that like. Do they just have short-term memory or are they just so unoriginal they can't run any new game and they have no new plays in their playbook? Uh, yes, is the answer to both this. Um, I, you know, what's really interesting too with this stuff, man, is uh, it's just a it's on loop. So whenever you talk about Putin wanting to switch uh, to a gold-backed currency, it makes me think Gaddafi. It makes me think he's about to get taken out the same way, and that possibly it's just a big pawn in this thing. And there's a crazy cool conspiracy theory. I don't know if you guys want to go into it, but it kind of ties into this now that some Chinese general was talking about it back in 2015, and it has to do with Russia and China partnering to take over the U.S. And the way that the story goes, and this was like a leaked thing from an official Chinese guy uh, high up in the military, and he said basically that uh, there was a biological weapon that we did detect as a country, it's just been suppressed, that they, we detected that went up from Russia, uh, came out over the Pacific, and then dropped out. Now what it did was is that they noticed that the cone or the payload where the missile would be it was cold and actively cold, like colder than the surrounding even with the friction. Then what they noticed was 10 little things that jettisoned out of it and then parachuted down. So what they determined from just the cold aspect, something you'd want to keep cold, is a biological weapon. So that ties into something that's going on here, a narrative already in place, perhaps. Uh, and then also, the plan is for China to take the south and Russia to take the north, and for them just to divide it in half. And what the part of the plan was and why they would use a biological agent is because they want to maintain the infrastructure. So they don't want to come in and bomb everything. They just want to take out the people and leave all the stuff. Oh, it's kind of one God. of the interesting things going on. I think um, that doing that with Africa, for sure. Like, they just want to take over. You got a population of what they tell us is how many billions. You need more space. Yeah, yeah. And they want to just get into that. I wouldn't doubt it if you know the Deagle.com says we're going to be, what, down to 50 million by 2025. Uh, I don't know, man. I I, I, I don't. They they talk about the end of a United States uh, empire. I go, is that a negative thing? I mean, is it really a negative thing? I mean, like to me, that says we're no longer going to be an imperial power, and I think maybe that's a good thing. I'm again, like there's going to be some karma of what we did in the Middle East and Latin America, and we're going to have to come to grips with that. If we're seen, if I don't know how the rest of the world sees us, but we may be seen as the modern day Nazis that are going in invading places and, and committing war crimes. And I just know that we as a country, a lot of us are over war. I mean, even if we got these loud people, like we keep, like we voted, we voted in Obama to end war. We voted in Trump to end war. And we just constantly get used and abused and lied to. Uh, but I think it maybe the end of imperialism isn't bad. And, you know, going on a gold standard, is, I mean, like, I understand what Steve's saying, but I also know that, like, that's where we kind of got fucked 
when the, our Federal Reserve took us out the gold standard and put us on a Saudi oil, if we go back to the gold standard, is that bad? I don't know, man. I'm 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 functionally illiterate. As for the U.S. not being like one of the one of the three superpowers, I'd be concerned because that would leave a power vacuum, allowing China to flex a lot more of its muscle. And I'd rather not be a vassal state to China. I like I like the illusion of freedom that we have in the United States. It's at least you have the illusion of it, and so you can act like you're free sometimes. And if you were under the thumb of China even more, I don't know how that would work distance wise, but um, we're starting to see it. You know, just with even self censorship and what's happening on. Uh, Social media, I'd rather not see any more of it. I don't know how that would look with a, com a complete collapse. And there's this, what, five regional districts within the United States, and they, they kind of group together. Um, I don't know. It, it sounds a little messy. I'm not against it. But currently, I'm in Ohio, and I work for a company that is based out of California. So <laughs> I don't know how that would work. So I'm just kind of sitting tight waiting for Cyber Polygon to kick off. I think you're right in regards to like you oh, is need that Burning Man. And it's the it's the uh, the cyber warfare games that they talk no, about. I know. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. You make it sound like a music festival is about to start in two weeks. Cyber <laughs> <laughs> Polygon featuring <laughs> Travis Scott. <laughs> God, that's not a good one. And abs in a six pack. <laughs> you you need multiple. You know, powers in the world. You can't have, if there was no US or, or, you know, then obviously Russia and China, their partnership, they'd be controlling everything. I mean, you almost need the, the you know, multiple superpowers to kind of keep everybody in check. So I, you know, I, I agree with you, Mike. I think that it's almost like one of those things where it's almost necessary. Um, but, you know, the other thing too is like we saw this obviously during the COVID time, all the censorship and, and you're seeing it now with RT. Uh, you know, Lee Camp, who's been on my show uh, a few times, he got his, he basically just said that everybody at RT America just got laid off and it's gone. And there's, it's concerning. People should be concerned when you can't see the other side of the story because they're doing the same thing they did during COVID, right? They're saying, hey, we're going to filter out all the fake news. We're going to filter out all the misinformation and disinformation, and we're going to decide what truth is for you, and we'll make your, your your life easy. You don't have to do any thinking. We'll do the thinking for you. And it should be concerning when they're doing the same thing with this story. It's like, I should be able to tune in to Russian news, see what their side of the story is, what their perspective is. Obviously, we've been lied to multiple times in, in, in the past in regards to wars and conflicts. So, Let's not just take the U.S. media for it or their, their word for it. We should be able to see both sides. And there's not anybody concerned about RT being banned. People, There's no concern about all these athletes and soccer clubs and everybody who's being banned. All It's like when they're, treat, they're treating Russians like the unvaccinated and the anti-vaxxers. That's what they're exactly. doing. And it works. It wor it, they found this formula and it works. Yeah, because the thing is, like, when the U.S. invaded Iraq, there's a lot of us who weren't for it, right? If I was in, you know, another country or if I was playing sports or whatever, I wouldn't want to be banned just because of something my government did. Because as we know, the government doesn't always reflect the, the majority of the population. So basically, they're they're punishing all these athletes. And some athletes really don't know shit about 
politics anyways or history. I mean, they've, they've been the best at their craft because that's all they've been focused on their whole lives. Uh, Charlie's talked to many athletes. He can probably uh, back me on this. They're, they're, some of them don't, just don't have strong opinions on these issues. So it's just one of those things where like to punish them for something their government's doing and then assuming that the whole pot, I mean, they've had anti-war protests in Russia. They're not telling you about that. They're also not telling you about the fact that Ukraine is full of natural resources and that could be a incentive. That could be a reason why, you know, these countries are so worried about Ukraine. I mean, there's tons of coal, natural gas. I mean, um, which podcast I was listening to that went through like, just how much uh, natural resources they have, but it's like insane, way more than I was even aware of. So, Steve, you want to jump in? Do the United States, after uh, uh, spending most of Obama's term either alternatively trying to get rid of uh, Nicolas Maduro or overthrow him, and then all of Trump's term where they actually did like send a bunch of guys down to do an illegal coup and then recognize some random jerk off as the president of Venezuela and paraded him in front of the House and Senate, and everybody stood up and was like, hey, it's that guy. Woo! You, the, they went down and they talked to Maduro. They sent a U.S. delegation to Nicolas Maduro to be like, hey, you know how you guys have like the largest oil reserves in the world? Well, hey, um, I know your buddies with Russia and China, but we're going to need some of that. Um, so let's work out something and just completely threw away three years, four years, uh, of the psyop that they wasted on why Glad Juan Guaido yeah. and, and, you know, recognizing him as the leader of Venezuela and the whole like Trump didn't do any new wars. Okay. Here's this fake president from a country we just tried to overthrow. Let's not talk about the 17 other unsuccessful coups and partially successful coups. Not worry about that. Not worry about the fact that he dropped more drones than Obama in four years than Obama did in eight years he's the anti-war president sure they all suck yeah. stop stop thinking these psychopaths have a heart of gold we just keep running <laughs> back and forth from r's and d's it's like i got a joke about it. it's like running back and forth from elm street to camp crystal lake thinking someone's gonna <laughs> fucking hug you you know what i'm saying and my biggest problem i have right now is like you know the unabomber and malcolm x both said the same thing rich white liberals are the most dangerous animal on the planet. And what we have are like really rich kids advocating for a war that they will never fight. They want to send poor kids to go die for bankers. They, they're so angry about racism. They're so angry about homophobia. They're so angry about sexism. They're so What they don't understand, dude, is like all those things were a form of censorship that they are openly for censoring people they don't agree with, which is all racism, sexism, and homophobia is. You're just censoring people you don't agree with, but they don't care what they because they're useful idiots. They have no clue what's coming. They have no clue that once these powers that they're, they're, they're doing their bidding for get in, look at like Russia, look at China, find ethnic minorities. Find interracial, find gays. They they get eliminated, man. It happens all 
the time, man. And you are you are advocating for the thing you are fucking railing against because you're a rich kid born to the best hospitals, went to the best the private uh, gated communities, went to the best private schools, went to the best colleges, got internships, went to the most private restaurants and clubs your whole life. You've been insulated. You can believe in idealism because you've never, ever felt real world consequences. Okay. And that's why words are violence. Okay. And that's why violence is never the answer because words and getting punched in the face are the only things that can actually affect you. Everything else, you got enough money to clean it up. So you push the two things that can actually get to your little pasty pink ass is a punch in the face and being called a nasty word. And it's it's so obvious they're just doing the bidding of people that as soon as the new system's put in, they're going to curb stomp these kids. They're going to just curb stomp them. I, I was watching this thing in Canada, the Canadian Communist Party throwing a protest. And then somebody from Rebel News went down to interview them and they said they didn't want to get interviewed. The whole point of your protest is to have your point of view heard. I guarantee you nobody in the commun Canadian Communist Party has ever been punch in the face and i do not advocate violence but sometimes i think a good clock in the a chin check would really put some people in perspective about how the world works i'm not saying i've i've been beat up and know that <laughs> beat up enough to know hey man my mouth can get me in trouble okay but you're supposed to figure that shit out when you're a kid right when it's yeah. like well, it's never too late go to jail over it's it. never you're too late to dog we're just Clock and purple here, people, dog. But I, agree you know I, I agree with that. I, I think it, it humbles you once you get punched in the face several times. And <laughs> it doesn't matter at what age it happens, but people need to know that does hurt real bad. And it, it adds an element of, of mortality to your life, whether it happens when you're 16 or you're drunk in the bar and you start a fight with somebody on accident and you get the shit kicked out of yourself. It, I think everyone, it's it's a good life lesson to learn, and a lot of people just never got that life lesson. Mike Tyson I, said everybody a, has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Yeah. Uh, there's a really, really old saying about every battle conflict, the first casualty in every war is the truth. Yes. And, and I think people forget that all the time and they want to get, it's so dramatic, it's so visceral. It's, you know, the, one of the, ultimate expressions of whatever we think nationalism or patriotism or heroism is it, it, it's it's one of those things that is so horrifically captivating that people feel drawn to it but you kind of have to go in knowing that you're going to be getting lied to about basically everything and if you don't start from that operational standpoint you're going to get taken for a ride if we recognize that all wars are bankers wars why is the, the even the independent media spend so much time unlike individual politicians or nation states or world leaders instead of talking about the fucking bankers and how they're manipulating the shit like why is it you know like if these are things that we can recognize and talk about then why the fuck are we talking about it you know when, when it's time to talk about this shit because there is an international monetary fund there is the international bank of settlements the central bank the central bank and those guys aren't missing any meals have you seen augustus carson i'm with you dude it's unbelievable man it's just like that like 
so much of our media now is rich kids trying to convince rich white kids trying to convince you that poor white kids are the problem. And it's like really sad, dude, because, you know, and here's the whole thing. I think we're winning. I think the information war is being won by the masses. Like if if they if we weren't we would be we would have gone to ro- war with Iran when they shot down our our drone thoughts and prayers to the drone's family you remember they were trying trying to get us to cry a tear for the drone oh my god the drone just wanted to live and pay make a better life for its drone family and like we didn't fall for that and now they're like if they had their way we would have gone and just gotten in the war with Russia, and I think people are waking up. That's just my hope. I mean, if I lose all hope, I, I won't be on this show or any other of my conspiracy shows because I just see no purpose in just, I don't do this for, I, I do this to support my family, but I also do this because I believe in it, and uh, I, I'm just not going to talk about things I don't believe in if 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 I give up the hope, if I if I don't have like love and I believe in humanity and I believe in the universal laws of nature that Ch- Klaus Schwab's power bottom ass isn't bigger than, okay? I'm sorry. I don't, I don't think that guy who walks around in wedding bikinis on the beach with a fucking dick cage on acting like he knows something, okay? I'm sorry. It's like, dude, he's just a speck of shit to the universe, man. And we're going to win, dude. And that's my belief. So I'll shut up now. Hmm. I don't know where we go. We're in Nobody World War Four. No, you you know me. I share your chronic optimism. I'm right there with you. I'm Nobody right wants to you. follow Dick Cage. <laughs> no, was, he did. He did no. say he was going to. He was penetrating all the cabinets. If you noticed, that was the say exact that, quote. Dude, he did. He He's did. like, we penetrated the cabinets, and I'm like, well, okay, that's a that's an interesting choice of words there, Satan Klaus. Just think people are waking up when you look at the political spectrum that we have, where you have people like Jimmy Dore, Russell Brand, and all these people on the left saying the same thing as someone in the center like Joe Rogan. And then people on the side like Tucker Carlson and Gavin McGinnis are all saying the same thing, all all pushing back in the, in the same kind of voice. It's just a matter of time, I think, before people start to realize that we have enough of us reaching enough people that people are going to wake up to it. And I just think, dude, we're uh, like, they have been doing a long psyop to make us all feel powerless. And reality, we are the real power. And we were super trusting because we're loving beings and we're part of the universal consciousness. And we want to believe that everyone's like us. And for some reason, there's these fucking reptilian low frequency demons who run this haunted house we live in and they're just running cons on psyops on us to lower our frequency and i do believe this is a spiritual war man it's like it's it's not to me what everybody thinks it's about natural resource i think it's about the real resources our attention our data and our 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 life force our our louche and they're trying to jack all this shit so that's just my humble opinion I think it's a stranger world than what the average person gives it credit for. There's some, honestly, some weird stuff beyond the like the lunacy that I talk about on on my show or what any of us cover. It is a bizarre world that we live in, and I think people are not able to really articulate how strange it is. So they just attach themselves to whatever the most powerful or loudest message that they hear because it's easier to 
to create that as your foundation than to really kind of wade out into all this bizarreness, which is whether it's UFO sightings that are over Ireland that, that are happening over the past few days or realizing, oh, there are real paranormal experiences that people are happening or just coming to the realization that they are coming down harder on on the Russians now than they ever did uh like with Jeffrey Epstein or any of the other monsters throughout history, Israel, Israel, it doesn't name name one, and they. It, I would assume if they're logical, like aren't it has to throw regular people, the average person who just maybe watches CNN and MSNBC five minutes, fifteen minutes a day, throw them for a loop. It's like, well, this is a bit of an overreaction, isn't? This, isn't a bit xenophobic? Everything we're doing is xenophobic, aren't we? Isn't that come into play here? But Apparently not. Apparently, it's perfectly okay to act xenophobic in relation to Russia, but not anything else. <laughs> it's because they're white. So crazy, because, like, if we think about World War II, like, you know, we lost so many Jews in the Holocaust. But how many Russians did we lose? Like, we lost 20 million Russians, an entire generation wiped out. Yeah, we... We're still allowed to bash them. I don't understand that. I just don't. And it just goes back to what well, I'm probably a little bit more into this than anybody else on the shows. Kazarian's dog. I mean, that's my honest belief. This is Kazarian's versus, I must say it, Kazarian's versus Tatarians. I said it. There you go. <laughs> I put it out Thank there. You. Feel free to curb Thank stop you. me all you want. But that's my honest belief on why we're, why Russia is so isolated and and just China's fully accepted. That's my humble belief. Well, what's weird, and he's kind of like the Thanos character. So depending on who you listen to, Putin is either just uh, a guy trying to defeat Nazis and kick Rothschilds out of his country, or he's some horrible dude. It, it just depends, again, on the way that you look at it. Now, the Tataria angle, with it being smack dab where Russia is now, that's, yeah, it's pretty dope. <laughs> I, I, think, I think Putin is there to keep the Russian people down. In reality, like all these things that he does, which is like, I'm going to kick out the Rothschild. Yeah, I think that's all theater. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, oligarchies help oligarchies. That's just my opinion. And they, he, they're just there to keep the, the Russian people broke, tired and disheartened. That's just my humble opinion. Yeah, Whoa. you look at the Antarctic Treaty. I mean, they've all signed it. Like everybody's in bed at one level, you know? <clears throat> One of Putin's main oligarchs is the guy who owns uh, both the the company that produced the Sputnik V mRNA gene therapy uh, and the Spedbank, which changed its name from Spedbank to just Sped, which is basically now they're like like Amazon plus bank plus uh, digital, huh? Yeah, yeah digital health network, yeah, <clears throat> slash vaccine manufacturer. And all of those business concerns are tied in inextricably with the West. We just bought something like 20 billion, 200 billion barrels of Russian oil. The U.S. did. The U.S. did. We, while we're arming Ukraine, we are in every way, shape, or form funding both sides of this conflict because there's no conflict 
The conflict is people buying the propaganda. The operation is the fourth industrial revolution and the great fucking reset. They they tell you this isn't about nation states. They tell you, well, we couldn't accept the Nord II. We couldn't accept Russia having 80% of the gas. So now Russia's gas is going to China. Somebody else's gas is going to the EU. And everybody gets a piece of the money that never leaves the fucking room. And all of the regular people fucking suffer. So the next six months, this drags on. Our gas prices go up. Our food prices go up. And it starts to squeeze us here in the United States just a little bit more every every day. Every week you go to the grocery store. So when does it break? When do people start going, hey, we need to fix this ASAP? What is the breaking point here in the United States? Is there one or are they just going to keep going along with it? Well, they've got the midterm psyop for everybody, too. They've got everybody thinking they can vote one way and it'll all just be better. Completely forgetting that it was the other party that was in charge at the start of the Rona. Because Joe Biden, a year of Joe Biden seems like 10 years of any other president. It it does, at least. And I know the presidents don't serve 10 years. It just seems that fucking long. He's terrible. I think think the breaking point could be, I'm here in Ohio. And so if gas gets here to $5 a gallon, I think even the more democratic liberal people will say, well, I did like Ukraine, but I like $3 a gas a lot more. And I think that would be a, a breaking point. I don't know. What, what's the gas per gallon out there, Sam? Is it like six bucks a gallon in California? Over five bucks. Bro. bro, I was up in Angels Camp in Gold Country by Yosemite over the weekend. God, it's crazy. And it was five ninety nine, five eighty. I did see a six dollar, but I don't know if it was diesel or not. There's a the Glory Hole Rec Center. Oh, that's a thing. I go there. Um, Man, yeah. if gay men having an honest gay sex have to pay that much for gas, what kind of world are we living in? <laughs> Exactly. What kind of world? Are we this is a real in? thing, you guys. It's in Calaveras County, the Glory Hole Rec Center. I'm not making that up. It, it's. I like it, that it's a rec. Oh, center. I hit the Glory Hole right here. Yeah, you know what? They should they should take their bikes to the Glory Hole. Work off all that calories. You know what I'm saying? Like that's mm-hmm. just my opinion. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I, you, you don't even give me. We have so much oil. We could. This is all about them. The notion, the notion that when something goes bad, we have to pay more for oil is the most hilarious bullshit I've ever heard in my life. It's kind of like going to a restaurant and then the the kitchen fucks up your order and then they come back and they charge you another five bucks for your hamburger because the kitchen fucked up. It doesn't make any sense at all. It is just literally just psyops to fleece us, dude, to fleece us. And it's just like, I don't know how long people are going to, I'll put up with this. Now, something that's very interesting is like, I don't know if you guys are big boxing fans. I talked about this on Tinfoil Hat. But on Showtime, there's a docuseries called The Four Kings. And it's about Sugar Ray Leonard's boxing era. And it's really great. It's a great doc on boxing. But what's really interesting, they juxtapose the political climate going on right during that time. And if you watch it, it's all the exact same thing that they're running right now. Democratic president, nobody likes, uh, wars all over the place, racial strife. 
economy going to shit, gas prices up. They just keep running the same playbook on us over and over again. And we just keep falling for it. They're literally orchestrating all of this. And I'm just waiting for us to stop fighting here and start looking up here, right? We just keep fighting here, man. We're fighting with people on our level, either on our level or below our level, man. Anybody okay with what Antifa did in 2019, burning down middle class and lower class businesses, but has a problem with January 6th, fake-ass bullshit psyop, you have Stockholm Syndrome, okay? You have Stockholm Syndrome, you're lost. You hate your fellow man, and you love your fucking, you know, it's like that song, we'll make great pets, we'll make great pets. That's exactly what you are. You're a fucking pet. Because if you have a, don't tell me about a fucking uh, uh, institutional bigotry and oppression, and then get mad when people <clears throat> march on the place where the institutional prejudice was installed. Okay, you, you you better do some fucking stretching before you do that mental gymnastics. I'm sorry, bro. You guys are lost, and I'm just like that's where it is. The problem is that people can think this now. You know, it's like I think when I did, Steve, when you did my show a long time ago. I think it was the first time you guys kind of said something that really resonated with me. And that is like when people start losing their places to live, like you said, like their couches or their beds, that's when people start to wake up. And I don't want that. But sometimes I wonder, man, like as we roll out of this COVID so quickly and smoothly, are people going to remember what these people did to us? Like, remember what we did to our children? Or are they just going to move on to the next one? It's like, Dude, maybe it needs to get so bad that people wake up and they're tired of it. I don't know. I don't want that for my country. I love being American. I love America. But I wonder if we just need to have a little cage rattling to wake us up from what these oligarchy pieces of shit have been doing to the masses. There's more of us than that small group of them. It's 1%. And we just take their shit. I don't get it. Unfortunately, any of the bad things that we are to suffer, whether that is like a blackout, like a power blackout due to cyber attacks or anything like that, is now perfectly positioned to blame that on Russia. And then all that anger that should be directed at our own ruling elite will be directed at another government and more attacks can commence. It's like, I, I get what you're saying. And I wish, I wish that it would be a little different, but I, I don't see how people wake up and really want dramatic change because we keep falling for the same BS vote in the Republican vote in the Democrat. You're not, no one's talking about third parties really too much anymore. I don't, I don't, is anybody even really talking about voting in somebody dramatically different for the midterms? I haven't really heard anything. It just seems like the, the Republicans <clears throat> may sweep back in and it's going to be more of the same bullshit. Well, I mean, we don't, we, we have publicly financed privately owned elections. It, it, it's a fucking scam. Even at your local level, if your city council isn't fully bought by whatever what the prevailing couple of industries in the town are, and you have a, a half-assed chance to get like one or two decent libertarians on there, maybe you'll get a couple of common sense laws in your town that might make you a little bit more comfortable in the short term as long as that guy's in office. You can't think the solution to a machine designed to kill you 
is to slap a couple of shiny new parts on it every two to four years. All you're doing is prolonging the life of a machine designed to fucking kill you. You need to fundamentally redesign the machine. In order to do that, it's probably going to take breaking the existing one. And you can do that violently or non-violently. You can do that non-violently through counter-economics. Not using centralized fucking power structures or their banks. It's the thing we could try. I don't know. But when it Maybe. breaks, they're going to want to offer you a build to build it back better. Mm-hmm. Mm. They've already got that solution prepackaged and ready to go. For, for a better life beyond create. your freedom. <clears throat> you will and, and love that's it. That's the next agenda people have to be ready for. Because I think the, the gas prices, they're obviously already pushing the electric cars and the uh, climate change conversation is starting to become more and more popular. Uh, you know, we have to start looking at that too, because gas prices are going to go up. What are they going to push? Electric cars. Even though it really, there isn't any real good argument about how it helps the environment because obviously where we still have to get the minerals that are used for the electric cars, the batteries and stuff like that and all the tech that's in it. And then we also don't have a really great way of disposing of the batteries and we don't have an infrastructure for it either. But yet a lot of these states, including mine in uh, Massachusetts, they have laws that in 20, I think it's 2035 or something like that, they can't sell any gas-powered cars in the state. And I'm like, how the fuck are they going to do that? I mean, I don't even know where you would charge a car if you're looking for one. So there, uh, it's just, obviously you have universities and stuff like that, but it's not really convenient. And what are you going to do with all these gas stations You know that basically make a living off uh, gas prices. And another thing that Sam said that I think is 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 so true is like the gas price thing is complete horseshit. I mean, it takes months by the time they they you know refine oil and all this stuff, and it gets sent to your local gas station, and then they're paying a higher premium for it, and you're buying it at a at a higher premium. But yet every time there's an international conflict, immediately gas prices go up. It's like if this has any effect on drilling. Then by the time that gas that is being affected is being pumped into my car, it's it shouldn't be 24 hours, you know. So it's like it's complete bullshit. And obviously, you know, because they can just stop. In the past, they've uh, halted drilling just to, you know, basically raise prices. And we always fall for. It. We're always like, oh, this must be because of the Ukraine thing. This must be because of the Iraq thing. This must be because of the Yemen thing. It's like. It's like, no, it has nothing to do with that. It's all bullshit. We never know how much they're drilling or how much they're finding. And we just take their word for it while we're all being... Peak oil's bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's like, oh, we're going to run out oil. Bullshit. Oh, it's from dinosaurs. Bullshit. Okay. I went and got my hair cut, dude. And then it's like $45, which is way too much for an old guy haircut. Okay. I'm an old man. I should be paying no more than 25 bucks to get my hair cut. And so it's 45, right? And I like to tip because, you know, I'm a gentleman. I have class. I take care of people. And then I go to, I go, I go, hey, can I five bucks back? He goes, oh, it is now $55. I go, why? Because the Ukraine? Are you, the haircuts are up because of the Ukraine? I mean, what are we talking about right now? You're just like raising prices. And that's what they do with oil. It's just absolutely ridiculous that we have $5. We have more ways to make oil and find oil than ever. And now they're like, they're just putting it to us. It's just unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. Love it. It's the new thanks, Obama. You know, thanks, Ukraine. 
Thanks, Ukraine. But it's Bam, thanks, Putin, because he's the bad guy. That's right. right? There you go. Thanks, Putin. That's yeah, right. Putin man. <laughs> I, uh, Putin man. A long time ago, I had on uh, John Kiriakou, who was the CIA whistleblower who disclosed the torture program. And I asked him, like, like we're talking about, why, why is it always the same? Why does the fucking playbook never change? And he goes, well, uh, they're really not that smart. They're not as smart as we give them credit for. Yeah. And they're never held accountable. And that's why it never changes. And unless something happens with the latter, they're going to keep putting relatively dumb or just smart enough to be devious because there's a difference. You know, you can you can be relatively dumb, but still be really devious, kind of clever, but not necessarily smart. Those guys, those guys make great coup plotters. Those guys make great, you know, uh, operations player because they're going in with the sole purpose uh, of getting whatever their orders are done. And to not think too hard about it. And to, and to know that they're never going to be held accountable. If something goes, oh, sure, you might have an underling get thrown under the bus. Try to climb the corporate ladder pretty quickly so it ain't you. Well, I think I, we're going to win, dude. I, I I hope so. I mean, I sometimes I, I definitely think that when, I mean, just today, I think in Florida or yesterday that they uh, announced that they're, they're not going to recommend the vaccine for any healthy young kids. They're basically going to be a, a state thing. And you're starting to see all these things implemented or, or at least becoming like accepted as like, okay, maybe masks were bullshit, maybe this and that. So you, you see, I mean, the COVID thing is a perfect example of how like if we keep pushing, then eventually you can only suppress the truth for so much. And really, when you think about like a success story, obviously it wasn't a complete success story because of the fact that there's a lot of casualties, a lot of people who were scared into getting the vaccine or inconvenience enough where they end up just getting the vaccine. Um, so there is a lot of that, unfortunately. But when you look at like the, the resources they had to suppress us, to lie to us, to manipulate us, and yet little by little, truths were leaking out and they couldn't suppress it forever. And now a lot of a lot of people who who were completely brainwashed are now like, yeah, maybe maybe that was a lie or maybe that was uh, the numbers were manipulated. Maybe they did in, inflate things or whatever. So I, I think it, in a way it shows that it, it, our work is necessary, right? We're all creating little ripples everywhere. We're all creating little uh, changing minds and opening minds and 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 provoking thought everywhere. And we saw what happened. And our work is never done. And I think what what's going to happen with, with this whole war thing is that everybody's going to forget that there's elites that have agendas and they're going to be pushing baby steps towards those agendas. And the, the scary thing is before COVID, a lot of this stuff, people didn't give a shit about. Everybody became political. Everybody became a, a health expert after COVID. Before that, a lot of people, it's like, as long as I can go out to eat, as long as I can go to the liquor store, as long as I can bring my kids to the soccer game, uh, whatever, what's going on in the world, I could care less. You know, like if there's a, if we're in Ukraine or not, it doesn't affect us. If we're in Iraq or not, it doesn't affect me personally, I should say. So I'm, I'm a little afraid of like COVID being, you know, pushed aside. These agendas are, are still 
happening and and still should be a focus but yet everybody else is just going to go on with their lives and not care and and so you're you're seeing it now where like people even with the Ukraine thing people are just not asking any questions it's like we just exposed that the whole covid thing that the majority of it was based on bullshit and everybody that was on tv and every media and every journalist was lying to you about it and yet everybody's just accepting that what's going on in ukraine um that there's a good guy and there's a bad guy and it's that cut and dry and there's no discussion about it. And every, you know, I'm I'm seeing protesters. I'm driving around. I'm, I'm seeing protesters. Um, you know, no war in Ukraine and all this stuff. And the the sad thing is, Ukraine has become a pawn in a game. And there, we should feel bad for that country. We should say no war in Ukraine, but not for the reasons that the U.S. media is telling you. And that's what people have to wake up to. We played a clip of the, on the show this morning. Uh, you guys probably saw it on Twitter, too. It was Joe Biden in 1997 talking about how bad of an idea it would be to expand NATO and you know try to provoke Russia into a conflict over Ukraine. You know how many people don't even know about the Victoria Nuland uh, tape? I'm like, we literally... Oh, we had some fun with that, too. What's that? Oh, the, fuck EU, the fuck the EU tape? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is our guy. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm like, they're literally uh, admitting that they're getting involved in their elections. And we're just like, yeah, why Why is Russia so mad about Ukraine? <laughs> like, why? what incentives do they have in Ukraine? It's like, we can get involved in their politics, but literally a country that is attached to them. Never mind. I know a lot of Ukrainian people and a lot of them consider themselves Russian. I mean, and a lot of them don't even speak Ukrainian. They speak Russian. And because obviously during the Soviet Union and all that stuff, but there's tons of uh, Russians in Ukraine that are from Russia and and went there and and just obviously the the cultures are are much more similar than our culture is to uh, to to Ukrainian uh, culture. So it's like I can see the incentive of of wanting one to preserve their country because and that's always been our justification, right? Like when we get involved in Central America and Latin America, oh, it's because we're fighting socialism or we're fighting whatever ism that they are throwing at you um it's like okay well if you can accept that when the u.s does it why can't why can't you at least entertain the idea that maybe that's what's going on here and that there's more to this story that maybe they're preserving their country and that's what makes china a little bit scarier because it's like russia seems like they're intent is to preserve themselves where china seems like their intent is to push their culture on everybody else and make everybody russia or make everybody china where russia's like we just want to be russia uh maybe you know kind of like the soviet union and have influence in in these countries uh but china's like secretly going in and and like kind of changing everybody into china and you see it in the u.s it's like Oh, we'll control the internet and censor stuff because we're protecting you, just like China tells their people. You know, so it's like, why isn't there some concern about that? But this goes back to the PR conversation. China's done a great job of basically having influence over everything. You see, you know, and Sam and Charlie and, and people who are sports fans know about this. You speak out against China. I mean, um, Cantor, who plays for the Celtics. Uh, not even a, a very you know a good good player. He's a solid player, but he's not a very good player. Was outspoken about uh, China, and then the next day, China 
bans all Celtics games. I mean, and there's no talk about that. Like, why isn't there a uproar about censorship about that? And it's because China's in the U.S.'s pocket or vice versa. Or they're both in each other's pockets. Uh, but it, at the end of the well, day, Cantor's spooked up to hell and gone. Nobody wants to look into him too closely. Well, look, yeah, the, the, who he's uh, connected to uh, that. Yeah. Uh, what what's that guy's name? Uh, I forget his name. He he has that school in the the U.S. Uh, originally uh, from Turkey or what? No, where is he from? Yeah, I know. I don't, it's been a long time since I went down that rabbit hole. But you're right. He is he is connected. But at the end of the day, the example remains the same. Where like there's. There's no question, like nobody's asking questions about China. Like China has such control over our P- PR media and influence that like people just don't talk about them the same way they talk about Russia. And people should be asking the question, like, why is that? You know, why, you know, is it because they have that much influence? And should we be more afraid? You're right. We should attack China. <laughs> That's what I got out of it. <laughs> uh, Sam, well, Sam had to go, by the way. He posted in the chat that uh, he had to take off... Uh, and so he just dipped. Ricky, we also have to remember something that's kind of, you know, maybe not the most pleasant thing to to think of, but if we're being honest about it, we have to talk about the fact that there's just a rather large segment of the American general public that is just really fucking dumb. And it sounds bad to say it, but it, it's just it's just the truth and this advertising and this media, it works on them because it follows these old tried and tested tools of like, keep it simple, keep the message short. You know, this is the stuff that they were doing in the Bolshevik revolution when they had an 80% illiterate rate, illiteracy rate in the, in, in, in Russia. And they're trying to like propagandize these people, keep it simple, keep these slogans simple. So we're seeing that we're, we don't have an 80% literacy, illiteracy rate, but we've got some other form of like, mental dysfunction in this country that is screwing up our ability to process information normally. And so you've got, you just have a big group of people that are never going to figure it out. And I've got a quote in my first book from Dr. Russell Blaylock, who's a neurosurgeon talking about that. He's saying, there's just a, there's just not much you can do. He's like, there's just an IQ level that puts you in this malaise where you just, you can't figure it out and you become dependent on the government to, and, and others to tell you what to do to navigate through this. And he goes, and then there's like a smaller percentage with a higher IQ that are up above and they can see the whole play. And it's like totally clear to them. So like, we, I think that because we're in this line of work where we're talking about these things and it's kind of our job to know about it, like we, we, we mistakenly project that onto everybody and, and just assume that they know the backstories that we know and that they're, they understand the media manipulation and that it's only controlled by a handful of companies and that, the, you know, all that shit. Like we just assume they know that. And a lot of them just don't, they don't even care. They don't, they just want to be told who do I hate? Whose flag do I put in my Twitter bio? Just tell me what the fucking do and I'll do it because I don't want to think. And, and so we've got like big problems with that. And that's going to, that's going to be a, a huge issue moving forward in the country. Yeah, we've got foreign policy issues and everything, but we have to have a talk with our dummies and get them like to wake up to this shit because it's like now or never, man. Like if you can't figure out that the digital prison is being built around you, it may be too late, you know? 
I'm actively I'm preparing. I'm sorry, I'm, I just I'm preparing for that. Dumb people. I, well, I, I think I think it's 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 not dumb people. It's dumb people that think that they're smarter than they are. And I don't even like I don't even think that I'm that smart. I think I have an average IQ. That's it, average IQ. I just grew up knowing that uh, I wanted to do stuff that was a little bit more artistic, against the grain a little bit, uh, do my own thing, and I've always maintained that kind of ethics uh, throughout my entire life. Just work hard at something that you really like and hope other people will find it. Instead of going with the, the group, I kind of just went against the grain a little bit. I maintain that. There's not a lot of people that, that do that. It's harder to do that the older you get when you get a job and uh, be part of the system. And you want to be supportive of the system that you're currently in, no matter how awful it is, because you can't imagine having absolutely nothing and being destitute. And so people will do anything to maintain whatever they currently have and just hope that they can squeak out just a little bit more. And that was is what the American dream has turned into, squeaking out just a little bit more instead of dreaming and really trying to do something that is much bigger than yourself. The American dream has been warped. And now it's just kind of like if we can just maintain the status quo, it goes back to uh, the quote from uh, the movie Network where you just, you just want to be left alone and you're tired about the Russians and the gas prices and all that kind of stuff. And um, here we are. It, people just want to be left alone. They, they would consider that a win <laughs> if they would just be left alone at this point. But we have a bunch of dumb people pretending that they're smart and it is the least informed of us that tend to be the loudest. We're going to need to pull up that clip because I'm pretty sure he was actually complaining about Russians and gas prices. He was. Like that. He was. <laughs> I mean, we really are, are in YouTube, some sort right? of feedback loop of uh, media fuckery. I'll play it. I'll, I'll play it. I'll find it. All right. Well, it's like everybody gets this historical amnesia, and no one be nobody really remembers just five years ago, let alone ten or fifty years ago. And you know, and they do this all the time with crazy effects, like uh, how they only show us black and white pictures of um, like uh, Martin Luther King. There are tons of photocolored pictures of him, but the reason they do that is to make you think that it's way in the past. So it's a psychological Shit, thing. I never even, even noticed that. that That's so devious. Fuck. Well, they do it with a lot. Malcolm X, uh, definitely JFK. You can see it in a lot of different things, and you'll never look oh. at them the same because they had color photos back then. They just they don't show it to you to psychologically manipulate the way that you view the, the time period. So, again, it, it points to this historical amnesia that they just hammer in, and it's, yes, we just want to be left alone. And it does seem like this 80 percent that you talk about charlie and that's an optimistic estimate that it's only that high uh that it it seems that they just kind of are doing their thing doing their thing and then they get tapped on the shoulder and handed a flag or a badge or a sticker and they're like here's what we're doing now and they're like oh all right and then they run (laughs) off and they do the thing passionately and they come back to what they're doing eventually that tap on the shoulder this is what i think you're seeing you're seeing more and more people getting gone back to to get tapped on the shoulder to support some other bullshit and they're saying no thank you i'm going to tend my own garden and you're seeing this in droves and it's 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 working it's happening it really is so i'm optimistic as well that's all i, was I got that uh, that network speech i'll play like a, a minute or two of it i can't i can't play the video i can ha- have the audio and since it's a speech i think that's the most important part i don't have to tell you things are bad everybody knows things are bad it's a depression Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street and there's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. 
We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. I'll cut it right there. <laughs> 1976. Yes, sir. <laughs> God, I love that shit. I do. I can't tell you how many times I've played that for people over the years and then been like, have you seen the documentary film They Live? <laughs> like, oh, no. Uh, John Carpenter did a documentary? Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. We, we should check that out right now. What's nice about all this, though, and I've got to go after this, guys. Thank you so much for having me, by the way. Um, I, I think what's nice about this is just like back in 1976, there was bullshit going on then, there's bullshit going on now. But if you look at it, like, look at, look at this. There would be people, not too distant future, pulling clips from all of your shows and playing them with such reverence where we all sit and just applaud it. So this is the kind of thing, you know, this y'all are this movement. This is this is beautiful and I'm grateful. Like I said, uh just to call y'all family. So thanks again guys. I appreciate you. Well thanks Keep for joining us. Bye. Thanks again. Take care, brother. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Great job. <laughs> I hope in like twenty years people go back and listen to my podcast and they find a clip of me talking about this guy uh, who collected his own uh, diarrhea in 12 jars and his wife, wife found it in the kitchen. And if, that, if that's a clip they found on my show, then so be it. I want to be remembered by that story. I listened to that. <laughs> I listened to that on Sunday. Listen, this is... There's no rules with these shows. <laughs> no. <laughs> we can cover whatever we want to... Whatever we want to talk about. That's yeah. what I do. Joe, Joe talked about Ukraine Bigfoot. for 40 minutes and I brought that story. I, you could catch, like, if someone asked me, what is Mike's show about? I'd be like, it's mostly about Bigfoot and Arby's. <laughs> you kind of hit it on the head. And, and, yeah. And yeah, it's the great, you know, it's, it's just the greatest show. I'm glad you went against the grain, Mike, because uh, your podcast is an absolute treasure. I've listened to every episode, well, since, since the, um, podcast you did with sam tripoli back in 2020 i think it was like may 2020 oh yeah you said, hey, listen to three episodes and you'll be hooked and man i listened to two and i was like oh this is great this is so much fun and um i think I you, look, oh thank you i appreciate that but i think you have to do that with almost every podcast you listen to i think that's the fair amount to actually try to get to know what the show is about and with everyone's shows you got i think it's unfair to just listen to 15 minutes i mean the same thing happened when i started listening to no agenda I didn't like it at first, but then once I got into it, after like the second episode, I understood the culture. I understood the angle that they had, and probably everyone's show here is a similar way. You got to, you got to buy in, and you got to buy into the people that are talking to you. And then once you get that buy in, you're kind of hooked. You're you're right there with them, and I think that's the that's the hardest thing about attracting somebody to a podcast, and not necessarily like a, a YouTube show where uh, it requires more time for a long-form podcast, especially if you're not familiar with the personalities talking to you. And so I think it's, 
as a listener, you you, you got to put in more effort to find the shows that you really like. Yeah. I tell people, you hear that, motherfuckers, do better. <laughs> yes, I'm blaming <laughs> the audience. Better. I tell people, 99 episodes. If you'll just listen to 99 episodes of my radio program, you're gonna love it. <laughs> <laughs> You'll so get once you get right. past the first 300, you, you yeah, should be okay. <laughs> my Someone in the chat is asking, what's my podcast? It's called Our Big Dumb Mouth. You can go, uh, you can search for OBDM, wild, uh, OBDM podcasts. It's like, you you got to listen to a few, but. You got to, you got to give it, you got to, there's this, there's a, there's like an inside joke yeah. culture that you, that could maybe repel somebody if they didn't give it enough time to to have it grow on them there there's just it's i love the show i i've been very vocal about it My, you're uh, you've been our biggest champion charlie and i cannot I, thank you enough well i would just wish i had a <laughs> i wish i could you know i wish i knew more people to, to tell but it just cracks me up because uh you know, we talk about all this serious shit, and of course, it's important, and we should talk about it. But every now and then, I want to know about what's going on at a haunted house or uh, or interdimensional, yeah. shape shifting Bigfoot. I just need that, or Hollow Earth talk, or whatever. I don't care. There's a lot of penis talk there, which is both. It's it's a it's strangely a hit or miss. Strangely funny, um, jetpack man. I, there's just a lot. There, it's you might say it's all happening. Yeah, fact. yeah. I, but I I try to cover stories that are a little bit off the beaten path. And Joe, my co-host, he'll he'll bring in things that are current events and what's going on politically, and it just kind of meshes somehow with how ridiculous everything in this world has become. And uh, I, it's just my my way of just kind of documenting the madness and kind of laugh, trying to trying to laugh at it all because everything is so ridiculous. And I have to talk to some of my regular friends who take everything going on in this world. So serious. They take it very personal. Everything in this world, they take it very personal. What's going on in Ukraine. They take it very personally. And I, I, I keep telling you, you have to remove yourself from the situation and realize that you can only control what's in your life and maybe impact a close few friends. That is all you can do. You can get angry at Ukraine, maybe spend five minutes being angry at Ukraine, but beyond that, it's not really worth your emotional energy. I get it probably feels good to get angry over all this stuff. I'm just at a point where I am no longer angry, and I'm trying to watch everything like a movie, make better decisions for the people around me, my, myself, my wife, my stepdaughter, and that's it, and try to have a few laughs along the way. All right, sure. That's like that's like the that that's going to be carved into the Gen X tombstone. Probably, I feel like I do. I, I think that's that, that's perfect. It is. It is. Is it? Is that very black pillish of me? Like it's not. It like totally I, is. There, there's that. That cynical as fuck. But I get it. I do. I do. And it's in, and like in, in its its own way, it's it's fucking beautiful because it, it's tr fundamentally true. It's it, it's not like I haven't given up hope or optimism. Like I'm not like horribly depressed. I actually you know have a good time and, uh, and 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 I can view things without attaching some sort of emotion to it for the most part. Like I, I've divorced myself from my work as an artist. You if in order to create great art and not care, you have to not really care about it. And it's like if you're writing a song and you start to care about the song too much, you start to overwork it. 
and it becomes mindless and, and, and you start to have writer's block. So the less you care, the more good work you can kind of do because you have no emotional attachment to it at all. You're not babying something. You just kind of let it go and then whatever happens, fine. Or maybe I'm just okay with like meeting death at the like with nuclear bombs dropping on us. I, I have no idea. I'm like a casual prepper. I got I'm I'm good enough for like four weeks after that. I'm kind of fucked, but you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. <laughs> hey, listen, oh, if you can't laugh dead. at the if you can't laugh at this stuff what's going on too, then you're gonna you're gonna have uh, a hard time. You know, you're going to blow a a valve. You got to let some of this stuff out and laugh at the absurdity of it all. And, you know, it doesn't mean it doesn't make you disrespectful necessarily. I mean, you could be, but to to, to have a laugh at at how absurd things have gotten or that our president can't remember he's incapable of speaking like that's funny. It's allowed to be. It's ridiculous. It's so absurd. Sam had me cracking up today. Because he's right. Like, when he goes to Starbucks or wherever and buys coffee, no one's coming up to him, tugging on his shirt, saying, what about the no-fly zone? It doesn't happen. It's such a ridiculous premise that it, it, it only lives online somewhere. It doesn't really happen in real life. I don't talk to anybody in real life about no-fly zones. <laughs> never, never. I never have. Is that what we're calling it these days? The no-fly zone. I guess we could get sued by Bill O'Reilly who had the no-spin zone, but maybe we, maybe we start the no-fly zone. That was in his shower, I think. Yes, it was. <laughs> he loves his shower. I think he's and still he, in there right now. He'd basically be in the beach. Mm-hmm. In the shower. I'd start to massage your boob. <laughs> You'd basically be in the shower, and then I would come in and I'd join you. That's, that guy was on Fox News. He had, one, yeah, he had the like biggest, forever. He had the biggest show on Fox News probably for 10 years. And he's in the shower, basically. I would start to massage your boob. <laughs> Speaking of Fox News and, and, and being on the network forever, and, and can't we just laugh at the absurdity of it all? Sean fucking Hannity sits on the nightly news and wears a CIA lapel pen next to, like, his American flag. Like, that's, to me, that's... That's a that's a, a wink and a nod and a, and a like you know uh, come on he also what, he also what do you got, want a from color, me? got a coloring book with that pen too uh, from the from the Central Intelligence Agency not a bright guy Mr. yeah Henry. yeah so Mr. I mean Henry. I see that you got to laugh you have to you have to go okay like is our, how do you you say our media is controlled the guy on your television is wearing the CIA's logo. Fox, Fox and Friends, I think this morning, or at the AFOX News Show, interviewed a commander from the Azov Brigade, Azov Battalion in Ukraine, like the actual neo-Nazis, like the people with the black sun on their bed, everything, all that shit. Fox is interviewing them, and so I'm waiting, I'm waiting for like... Next on Hannity and Friends, Sean and the crew travel to Western Ukraine and get taught how to properly conduct a pogrom on a Romani camp. You know, like it, <laughs> we're close to that shit. We are. We have CXCIA directors being hired on the networks, and like, unironically, like 
that like, hey, we paid this guy a shit ton of money to come on here to, like, yeah, he's this—he's from the CIA. They—they—they they, they say he's from the CIA. He should know better. Who—who who would know better? And it's like, yeah, who would know better how to bullshit you than the guy from the CIA? Like that's the way we see it, and they see it like a totally different. That might be reflected in their, the fact that nobody's watching network television news anymore, and that CNN's ratings drop ninety percent in a year. Maybe I don't know. Don't hire the CIA guy to be on to come on, and because it doesn't, it's not good for your credibility. But well, I don't know. yeah, Russia today became Russia yesterday because they um, yeah. they committed the sin of talking about the military industrial complex. All the major media networks, yeah, they have the left right paradigm, but they all agree war forever, good. And you know, RT, I let it play here in the shop at my gold and silver shop here in Branson, and I'd let that play in the lobby. And because it looked, they were all for the vax, and they're all for, they would toe the line on just about everything else but that. And uh, I, I came in, I turned on Roku what, three, four days ago, and it's just gone, just scrubbed. You can't even pull it up. And uh, yeah, I think that's, I they're, they're a casualty of that. I did an episode of Renegade Inc. that came out today on RT. I mean, theoretically, it did. The producers, the producers sent me a, you know, sent me a message last week. I would saying, Hey, what's, how are you guys doing? They're like, your show's going up on Monday. And I was like, great. Who's going to see it? Fucking banned. I mean, that's like, that's, that's not, not okay. That's not okay. That's Uh not okay to do that to a network because it's coming like, it it just it's it's hard to sell the we're all about free speech, yeah yeah don't look over there as we do that to the I mean it's like it starts with the Russians and then it goes to you know how that goes. Well, okay, so you know, R- RT America didn't get shut down. They they closed down. They shuttered their own doors and laid off their employees because yeah. RT UK and RT EU did get shut down. They got turned off and told to go away. RT America got such a barrage of death threats against the building and various journalists that live in the U.S. that they were like, uh, it's our first day doing this as a news outlet here, so we're going to close our doors instead of fundraise for security for our journalists. Um, but that's how they chose to do it, and it sucks. It does. I got a, a handful of friends that got laid off that were working for RT. You know, a couple of people who used to work for RT. Um, and, it, you know, the, the one thing they all have told me, we were never once told what to say. I asked Ross anybody. that, too, the host, when I was in London and, and, did, and, and ch- chatted with him in person. How, what has your experience been at RT? Because he had been at the BBC, and he said, they've never told me that I can't say anything. He goes, and I've gone after Putin, too, on some things that he's that I thought he's wrong on. I've gone after him, and he says, nobody said sh- anything to me about anything. So, I mean, and that's just one guy, and, you know, he, maybe well, he's not. they have that show or had that show, Crosstalk. Where they would go after Putin all the time. They would go after the U.S. They would go after the U.K. Tony Blair's a war criminal is something you would regularly hear on that. Well, Abby Martin. They they weren't. Yeah, Abby was on. Yeah, breaking the set. I mean, that's the thing. When people would say like, oh, RT's just a bunch of Russian propaganda. I'm like, oh, wow. I'm like, they've done a great job recruiting because they had Tom Hartman on there. They had Abby Martin. They have Jesse Ventura on there. Larry King. 
Yeah. I'm like Adam Kokesh had a show on RT. Oh, did he really? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Hey, Tony, are you in Branson, Missouri? Yes, sir. So, uh, have you seen Yakov Smirnoff's dinner theater show down there? No, I I want to. I I've put it off. And I, I don't know why, really. I love well, I wonder if there's a lot of backlash going against Yakov now because of all the Russia uh, stuff going on. He defected in the 80s, though. I'd say, you know, <laughs> deep wounds. Canceled he's right. Motherfucker. He's, he's canceled. He's I'm trying to see if he has any shows coming up. Like, uh, he's a spy for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. He's a great, a great lover, lover of liberty. You yes, know, he yes. spoke out against uh, the mass mandates here. And I passed that on. I was like, I told David Knight when I filled in. Uh, for him when he was still at InfoWars. I said, did you see Yakov Smirnoff at the Branson, Missouri City Council? It was a very impassioned speech about freedom and what, you know, he fled from and, uh, you know, not, not, and giving people choice. And, of course, they ignored him and, uh, I, you know, the Branson City Council has been replaced uh, since that time. But Yakov was, uh, and that was really inspirational. And I've wanted to go see, I ran into him at the bank the other day. It hasn't been too long ago. He's a, he's a really nice guy. I'm sure he is. I just know he he uh, was he had a dinner theater experience down there, part of the whole Branson, Missouri experience. I know there's some uh, former Brady Bunch people doing shows down there. Greg Brady doing the the very Brady show. Uh, I've always wanted to go down to Branson and just be consumed by the the shittery, and uh, I just never made it down there yet. You need to come down here, and we'll host you. We'll go out. We'll take you out to dinner. You can come, uh, you know, hang out at the shop here at Wise Wolf Gold and Silver, and. I'd I'll love my, to. My dogs. I'd love to. I mean, I, I want to make another trip and actually like take a tour of the South, hit the Bigfoot Museum again, go to Branson, Missouri, and just have a, a just a crazy time. I went to Branson once for a wedding. And did, it was a wedding on a paddle boat. Did like, you did Did thing. you enjoy Branson? Um, it was yeah. yeah well, I mean, it was fun. We, I was there for a wedding, so I was surrounded by drunk bridesmaids. We went to a couple of bars. We went to some. Uh, I don't know. It was a bunch of like Irish singers or some shit like that. Um, we went out on a paddle boat. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's like Vegas if Ned Flanders. Yeah, that's that's what I want to go experience it. I want to go see like Greg Brady do a show if he's still doing one. I definitely want to see Yakov. Actually, I enjoy Yakov's comedy. It's very funny. I, I saw him on like the old Roddy Dangerfield specials uh, in the '80s, and so I always appreciated him. And I just, I kind of like the idea like we're gonna do Vegas, but in Branson. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm from Indiana, man. There's enough Americana in me that all that corny shit on some level really appeals. <laughs> it, it really does. Like I can find the the fun in it, yeah, for sure. Well, boys, what do you say we wind down? I think uh, everyone's bailing on us. Ricky, he left us. Sam left us. And uh, Expanding Reality, what was his name? Brandon. Brandon? He left us, so it's just us now. Yep. Okay. We'll get out of here. Just plug our shows. Tony, plug uh, away. Plug our room. Boxing.com slash slow news day. Oh. Uh, and in about uh, three weeks, we're going to be entirely self-hosted, um, making making that jump. And that'll be through slownewsdayshow.com. Uh, morning show, Monday through Friday on the Rockfin, 8 a.m. Pacific time. Alex Stein is in the building with me and Pasta Jardula tomorrow. Nice. Um, interviews coming up with Max Blumenthal, Dr. Piers Robinson, uh, a handful of other fantastic individuals. Whitney Webb's going to be popping in uh, quite a bit now that she's back uh, feeling a little bit better. And 
the the time frame works out really well for her. got a great conversation with Vanessa Bealey out recently. Um, all kinds of cool shit going on. Check it out. Cool. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. It's a, it's an honor. I love the show, uh, and uh, I, I you know I wanted there's so much I wanted to, to talk about. You know, we missed uh, talking about some of the key indicators. Why I was discussing Ukraine for months before it really popped off, and that was all these uh, you know the countries around the world they broke the record for ordering gold since 1944, since Bretton Woods. This 2021 was the record year. All these countries, except for the United States, ordered gold. And I thought they're preparing for something, and that led me to to talk about Ukraine. And you know, you know, Mike, you mentioned when does this, um, how long does this go on? And I think you know there was the great cash heist of of COVID, right, for our values. And now we have another cash heist. The credit card companies. And I'll leave you with this: the credit card companies make the most at the pump, not the gasoline retailer, not even not even so much the the oil companies. Uh, on some level, it's the credit card companies. Every gallon of gas, when, when gas hits $3 a gallon, and I know this because my family's in the retail gasoline business, when gas hits $3 a gallon and you swipe your card at 3%, that's $0.09 cents a gallon that goes just to the credit card companies. They love inflation. They love high gas prices. And I think this could be just another cash heist. This could be just, I mean, at some surface level, just a way to move money over. Uh, you can find my program at arterburn.news. I'm, I have a radio show called the Arterburn Radio uh, Transmission. And I'm on uh, Saturdays on Rockfin uh, with the great Billy Ray Valentine and the legendary Don Jeffries for America Unplugged. Awesome. Love Billy Ray. And you can check me out at uh, obdmpod.com or just search for Our Big Dumb Mouth. We're live Wednesdays, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Twitch. And I think we're going to be going to Rockfin now. And then Saturdays, noon, uh, same places. So thank you. Macroaggressions uh, put out. We're doing three shows a week now. Flashback Friday. We, this last weekend, we had David Icke's uh, interview went back up, so you can check that out. Website theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at macroaggressions. Cool. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Mike. <laughs>